You live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality, but you do not know this. When you understand this, you will see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. Welcome to The Imperfect Buddhist, where we discuss Zen Buddhism and incorporating mindfulness into daily life. My name is Matthew Hawk Mahoney, and in today's episode, we will be discussing the joy of being. Reviewing the last couple episodes, I have noticed a theme. Heavy subjects such as social anxiety, suicide, and anger. All real things. Completely valid topics that need to be discussed if we are to heal as human beings. But joy, the joy of being, also needs to be mentioned. For what is the result of all of this meditative work? We have discussed it in previous episodes. In Buddhism, it's called Big Mind. Ads on Spotify spin dreams of crunching into a golden brown taco from Taco Bell. Ads place our minds in the 100% leather-free seat of a metallic black Tesla Model 3, whispering, This will complete you. Your family will think you've made it. Our culture desperately pushes the idea that happiness is in the future. Our economy relies on its consumers, you and me, to adopt the dream that something in the future and outside of ourselves will make us happy. A quote from Noam Chomsky sums this idea up nicely. He says, All over the place, from the popular culture to the propaganda system, there is constant pressure to make people feel that they are hopeless, that the only role that they can have is to ratify decisions and to consume. I have had personally transcendent connections with the simple divinity of life on a few occasions, but most of my connection with the Dharma, or truth, comes in the simple joy of being. And you may not have to look far for this truth in your own life. Perhaps you recall the cool air running through your hair as your feet pushed your bike pedals, propelling you forward. Perhaps you recall the lullaby of the ice cream truck echoing down the street as you rush to slip on your shoes and find your mom so you could ask for some ice cream money. Perhaps you lost yourself while playing an instrument, losing all sense of time, the vibrations of creativity ringing through you into the body of the instrument. These are all joyful times, times when we feel connected to life, displaying the joy of being. Psychologists call this state flow. Perhaps it's been some time since you have had an experience like this. It's been a while since you have felt simple joy. I understand and I sympathize with you. Our economy isn't in the game of teaching us or encouraging us to experience joy. See, for us to experience joy is a rebellious act. 
a counterculture act that says, I don't need all these things and dreams of the future to be and feel complete now. I have all that I need. A quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. Many people think of excitement as happiness. They are thinking of something or expecting something that they consider to be happiness. And for them, that is already happiness. But when you're excited, you are not peaceful. True happiness is based on peace. Orange pine needles surrounding the gray stone outline of a fire pit. Thick cedar planks fencing in this private backyard in Portland, Oregon. With each step, the pine needles crunching under my toes. The air crisp with yellow sunlight. Practicing mindful walking, I paced back and forth in this small backyard sanctuary. Turning again back towards the giant sequoia at the other end of the yard, I saw it for the first time. Its reddish-brown bark, so varied in its draping texture, appeared to breathe with me as my presence connected with its presence, my mind perceiving this tree without the filter of labeling or storytelling. Whole yellow afternoons would be spent swinging from the branches of the tree in my childhood home's front yard. I remember when trees used to excite me. For instance, when happening upon the sight of that being with the long green dress-like skirt with an interior one could hide in, a simple joy would spark up in my heart. As young children, we learned to call these beings weeping willows. Scientists can tell you the scientific name for weeping willow, Salix babylonica, but they can't explain the magic a kid feels when crawling into that wooden, hidden hideout. The concept of joy of being may sound simple. It's definitely misused by our homogenizing modern culture. Sayings like, just be, man, or live in the moment bastardize the essence of Buddhist teaching. Coming back to our true mind in the present moment is paradoxically both complicated and the most simple and natural thing we will ever do. Here's the paradox. In our search for the joy of being, we must not be searching for anything. It is necessary that when we come home to ourselves in the present, that we see fully what is here. Because we have been pulled away from ourselves for so long, there is some housekeeping that is in order feelings and thought objects that must be seen and felt if we are to return to our original mind. To deepen the paradox further, when we return to ourselves with a witnessing presence, we have already returned to our original mind. Our original mind is the presence that witnesses all the phenomenon of life. On Jack Cornfield's website, he sums this up nicely. He says, But it is necessary to learn that you are worthy of being loved. Buddha put it quite simply, you can search the whole tenfold universe and not find a single being more worthy of love and compassion than the one seated here, yourself. Jack continues, Self-compassion and self-forgiveness are not weaknesses, but the roots of our courage and magnanimity. Sometimes compassion for ourselves and others seems hard to find. But even if you lose touch with these feelings during your most intense suffering, Compassion is an essential part of our true nature. In fact, it is in this self-compassion and self-love that you find the strength to carry a lamp through your darkest nights. And it is by first practicing self-compassion that you find not only a way to hold your own struggles and sorrows in your heart, but through them, you learn how to reconnect with the sufferings and sorrows of all those around. 
Two days ago, driving the windy road to the bookstore I work at, I heard the old broken record click on in my head. Ugh, why am I going here today? What's the point? I'm bored. The record would play, then skip back to the beginning, playing the old tired message again. Having sat Zazen that morning, there was enough awareness cultivated within to decide to do something different. Like a fresh sprout popping up out of the fragrant dirt, the idea occurred to me. What would happen if you just took it all in, smelled all the smells, saw all the colors, felt all the feels? Pulling into the shaded, grassy back parking lot of the bookstore, I grabbed my jacket and headed for the door. Oh, a tightness in my stomach. Nervousness? Very interesting. The quiet of the bookstore. Most sound being absorbed by the many layers of paper stacked to the roof was the first thing I noticed. My coworkers all settling into their day, finding their flow, as I also do every morning. When we come home to ourselves and look at ourselves, the world and its people with a sense of curiousness, our understanding grows. We see the similarities we share with other people and all of life, just like how I saw the tree as it was, and not with all the labels in my head. We begin to see others in this way. We begin to see ourselves as these vast, multidimensional beings, expanding out, full of layers and emotional complexity. We also become aware of a divine simplicity beneath and surrounding all of our complexities. We see this simple virtue in others as our birthright and our connection to all life. As we come home to ourselves and begin practicing mindfulness, we experience peace with things how they are. New possibilities for ways of being and doing things open up when we are connected to life in the moment. Through 10 plus years of mindfulness practice, I will tell you this. Buddhism, mindfulness, or Zazen aren't tools to solve all of your problems. I became present enough to witness the anxious ping pong ball energy inside me 10 years ago. And you know what? It's still present at times. Though through Zazen and mindfulness, my relationship to anxiety has changed. I no longer get as caught in my head. My conversation with Jiozen Anju on last week's interview reminded me that we don't practice Zazen or mindfulness to get somewhere or to solve some problem. We sit to sit. We practice mindfulness to practice mindfulness, and the results appear on their own. In the Bhagavad Gita, it says, To action alone hast thou a right, and never at all to its fruits. Let not the fruits of action be thy motive, neither let there be in thee any attachment to inaction. Remembering to come home and reflect in the light of the simple joy of being, that's our challenge. Not only do our own minds crave to set salvation off somewhere in the future, but society reflects this inner human drive through all of its advertisements and dream spinning. When the rumble of winter anxiety shakes my inner walls, it's easy and pleasurable at times to escape into thoughts of when I have a higher paying job as a coder, or when I could get home and open up a container of Ben and Jerry's Funky Monkey. But our task is to come back to be with what is in all of its myriad forms, to be with and work through these energies, to clean the mirror within so that our true face can be revealed. Time for a quick tip. Next time you're in a demanding, uncomfortable, or undesirable situation, I encourage you to come back to the present. See what sensations are there. Listen as closely as you can to the customer complaining or the car horns outside. If that's too hard, then come back to your breath. Feel the sensation of your chest and stomach rising as the air enters and leaves your body. Carve out time, ideally in the morning, 
where you can sit for 10 minutes. Try a mindfulness of breathing exercise. To start, just set a timer for 10 minutes and bring your awareness to the sensation of breathing. As hard as I've been pushing present moment awareness and not getting caught in one's head, in Buddhism, we understand the concept of the middle path. We don't go too far in either direction for fear of falling in the ditch at either side. In this case, we see and feel the reality of the present. We don't use goals or daydreams to escape from reality, but we also use our planning mind when necessary. We are able to sit down and plan what we want, where we'd like to head in life. We are in touch with our heart's desires and our true likes and dislikes. We don't mistake the power or insight of our witnessing presence as ambiguity. We must be in touch with our true likes and dislikes, for they help guide us on the path of life. Thank you so much for listening all the way through to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and turn on notifications. It'll keep you notified when I post new episodes. I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, this is just one guy's interpretation along the Buddhist path. Bye. Bye.